Thank you, Martha. Awesome. Good morning. How y'all doing? How are the rest of you doing? Splendid. All right. I hear that we've got some uh, warmer weather coming this morning. Less rain. That's good. So I hear. Um, no, it's good to be together. We welcome everyone. Feel free to um, sign in using the pew pads if you would like. You can sign in your name and whatever other information you want to share with us. Um, also invite you to look at the announcements on the back of your bulletin, and there's lots of inserts uh, for you to read uh, in, in your spare time this morning. Uh, so I don't want to spend too, many, too much time on announcements. Do want to welcome my friend and my colleague, Reverend Chris Dorsey. Thank you so much for being here. Y'all can read about him. He's been with us before and has shared, shared a word uh, of a word with us before, and uh, we welcome you back, and I'm glad you're here. Also, your entourage of friends, thank you so much. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> that's right. Um, this morning, there is a wandering through worship, so keep that in mind, and you can see uh, Jamie Babzak. There's also one next week. So, Just also want to bring your attention uh, to several of the inserts this morning invite you to read thoroughly information on the Cawthorn Fund. Um, there's more information about that coming in the weeks ahead, but a little uh, introduction to the Cawthorn Fund. Um, as well, as you have uh, seen in the bulletin insert, uh, Human Resources did select um, a new music director, a permanent music director, Gerald Tidwell. He will be with us April 7th. Uh, and we are so grateful and uh, for, for Martha Purvis, who has been with us during this time, and she will continue to be with us uh, for the month of March. And so we thank her for the amazing gifts and all that she has brought to 7th Street Christian Church. So with that, let us turn our hearts to worshiping God, and we have our children's gathering song. We'll invite Miss Jamie up here to help us, help us sing it and teach it. Now, just so you all know, if you're visiting, every, this isn't just for the children to sing. This is for everyone to eventually sing, okay? And it's on 530 in, in your hymnal. Good morning, friends. All those young in age and young at heart are invited forward, if you would like. You want to grab an instrument? So today, we're going to be learning a song that is actually going to be, is it our communion hymn today? We're introducing our communion hymn today. Um, so I would love to see the same motions that I'm going to teach now, later on in the service, too. Okay, so it, we're going to start by learning the words, and it goes, I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. Okay, can you repeat that with me? I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. So you can make a motion with your arm that kind of looks like moving water, okay? 
And then the second verse says, I've got joy like a fountain. Can you make kind of a motion with your hands like a fountain? I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain in my soul. And then our last verse is, I've got love like an ocean. And then an ocean's really big, so you just spread your arms out as wide as they go without hitting your neighbor next to you. I've got love like an ocean. I've got love like an ocean. I've got love like an ocean in my soul. Okay, so we might not remember all of those verses. Friends out there, you have the words in front of you in your hymnals, and we're just going to follow along. Do you think we can do it? Thank you. Okay. Um, I invite you to rise in body and in spirit if you would like to join us with the motions. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain in my soul. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain in my soul. All right, love like an ocean. I've got love like an ocean. I've got love like an ocean. I've got love like an ocean in my soul. I've got love like an ocean. I've got love like an ocean. I've got love like an ocean in my soul. Shake it out, shake it out. Amen. Lovely singing. Good morning. Please join me in the call to worship. Trust in the Lord and do good. So you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in God.
please join me in the prayer of confession. Loving God, we confess that we have not loved you with all our heart or served you with all our strength. We have been blind to the vision of a renewed world and deaf to your call to costly discipleship. We have been indifferent to the suffering of others and are willing to give one another. In your mercy, Lord, pardon and restore us that together in the ministry of Christ, we may serve you with joy all the days of our life. Amen. Hear then the Lord of grace and the assurance of pardon. Your sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. And now, the passing of the peace. Now for the first reading, Psalm 37, verses 1 through 8. I invite you to open your pew Bibles, if you like, and read along. Do not fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. 
He will make your vindiction shine like the light and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. The word of the Lord. Seventh Street. Can everybody hear me? Wow, it's amazing how that microphone works. I'm so grateful for our sound um, people this morning. Any sound engineers? Anyone who spends any time in a pulpit knows that the most important person in the church is not the pastor, but the person who works the sound. So thank you for um, uh, this wonderful opportunity. I'm also grateful to my sister friend, um, Holly Woodruff, for extending this invitation uh, to me again to come back and preach uh, to you all. Um, I do not take for granted. There are some times when I preach in places and I don't get invited back. <laughs> so I'm grateful for the opportunity to um, preach here and grateful to my friend um, and colleague, Holly, who chose to um, dress like me today. <laughs> Although she's, she's a much more stylish version. So <laughs> um, I'm also grateful to my friend, um, my brother, uh, Dr. Patrice Rankin, who serves as Dean of the Faculty of Arts and Sciences at the University of Richmond. Um, and um, Rania, my also uh, good friend, um, and uh, Patrice's family who is here in town. Um, who I got to spend some time with all of them last night. Um, and so I'm grateful for them and uh, their presence here this morning. Uh, the text that is here before us is a perhaps familiar one, and I will share it with you. It is from the Gospel of Luke. Hear these words from the Gospel of Luke. I think Holly's taller than me. I need to lower this a bit. Okay. Um, hear these words from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 14 through 22. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread throughout all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The 
eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of God for the people of God. If you would pray with me for just a few moments on the subject, an inside joke, (laughs) an inside joke. Gracious and eternal God, I thank you for answering my prayers, and indeed, I thank you for becoming my salvation. I thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people and to proclaim your word. Let it be a word of hope, a word of love, a word of peace, a word of liberation, a word of righteousness for your name's sake. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. An inside joke. Many of us are familiar with the concept of an inside joke. You know what an inside joke is, right? It's when you and maybe one or two of your other friends share some knowledge that oftentimes makes you laugh because you are aware of the original reference to that joke, but everyone else around you may not quite get it. Well, I have a good friend that I work with in uh, Indianapolis at Disciple Center, and she and I have developed a bit of an inside joke. Just to give you an example, in my office, there's a lot of light that shines into the office, and it's a large corner office, thankfully. I'm happy for that. But I'm rarely ever there, so I don't really get to enjoy the office as much as I'd like. And my friend who works at the office near mine, um, anytime I come in, her name is Bethany uh, Watkins, and she, um, she said to me, oh, one day I came into the office, she said, oh, you're here today. And I said, yes, I'm not traveling this week. And she said, you know, Kim and I were talking, and we always, um, we always re- reflect about your office, and whenever the li- and this is what I heard her say, whenever the light is on in your office, Kim and I say, oh, Black Panther is in the building. Now, that's not actually what she said, though. What she was referring to is that the light that shines into my window when I'm not there illuminates this actual panther that I have sitting on my desk (laughs) and casts a shadow on the wall. I've never seen this because I've never been there when the light's not on. And I explained to her what I thought she said, and she just turned beet red. So now anytime I see Bethany, I give her the Wakanda for life. (laughs) (laughs) And that has become our inside joke. I have another inside joke that I share with a friend of mine who Uh, who I know from Holland, Michigan, and her name is Beth. Beth Beth Carroll is her name, was one of my students, and Beth would post things on social media all the time because she's a classically trained musician. And as a classically trained musician, every now and then her postings would be about music. Well, a few of her postings were about recorders. You all know what a recorder is, right? Well, to Beth, a recorder is basically Satan's device. (laughs) She actually despises recorders, and so she would always post things about recorders, and one day I sent her a a, a private message about 
her posting of recorders, and I said to her, I said, you know, Beth, I grew up in a very underserved community. We were very poor, and I remember when I was in fourth grade, fifth grade, we got a chance to play recorders, and it was amazing to me because this was the first time I had ever held an actual musical instrument in my hand, and it gave me an appreciation for music that I probably would not have had otherwise. And Beth said, thank you for sharing that. I had not considered that before. I now have a different appreciation for what recorders can do. She still doesn't like them, <laughs> but she appreciates the diversity of experience that people have. And so the following November, I walked into my office and it was on my birthday, November 6th, and I walk into my office and there sitting on my desk is a card and a recorder from Beth. That recorder had become for Beth and I an inside joke. I would like to submit to you that within the context of this particular text, we have access to an inside joke. It's not right there on the surface, and it's an inside joke that those of us who are Christians can only recognize. In the passage, Jesus uses a text from Isaiah, and he uses this text from Isaiah to connect to his own ministry and his own proclamation within the context of his day. On the one hand, the text is an incredible invocation of how the Spirit empowers all of us to boldly and prophetically speak out against injustice. The text shares with us how we are to work on behalf of those who are oppressed, but, but in another sense, if you look at the entirety of this scene from Luke, you actually see something much deeper about this particular text. And I'll let you in on another secret. This secret may be a bit surprising. The secret is Christian ministry is one big joke. Okay, maybe that's why I don't get invited back to preach very often. <laughs> All kidding aside, what Jesus is presenting to us is an inside perspective on Christian ministry that the world doesn't easily see. You see, this text isn't just about all power and roses. It actually represents a very challenging picture of the central message of the gospel and what we are committed to when we ourselves profess belief in Jesus Christ. Luke as an entirety, the book of Luke is about hope, it's about spirit, it's about the promises of God. But if you keep reading beyond the passage that we just read, beyond the celebratory proclamation of how the spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus, things start to get a little dicey. You see, initially the people who hear the message are excited because they think this is a message for them that God is going to deliver them and Jesus is coming to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And they celebrate. But then just a little bit past that, Jesus begins to chide them. He implies that 
they don't really get what he's saying because they think this is just about them. But Jesus is challenging to them to help them understand that the freedom he proclaims isn't a freedom that belongs only to them. In fact, the real freedom that he's proclaiming is the freedom that they are to offer to others. He says some even more frustrating stuff about them. The crowd is being pushed to give up their own privileged positions so that others might be brought this message of freedom and hope by them. The crowd looks at him. Is he joking? That's not what they came to hear. They didn't come to hear a message that was supposed to help other people. They came to hear a message just for them. On the surface, it appears to be about one thing, but if we look at the context and the subtext, we understand that the text itself is really about others. Something that only those who are in on the inside joke can fully appreciate and understand. Being a faithful Christian means being open to meanings and messages that challenge us. It means that we have to come to grips that everything that we hear isn't going to bring us to a happy place. Sometimes we're going to hear messages that challenge us to think differently about ourselves and differently about the world that we live in. Jesus is encouraging the believers there to look beyond themselves, to put down their own privilege and look at the bigger picture. In fact, throughout Jesus' life, he does this time and time again. Think about the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus challenged the lawyer to think not necessarily about what he would get out of salvation, but what it meant to be a neighbor to others. Also in the Good Samaritan, we have a lesson that shares with us that our we must check our implicit biases against people that we don't necessarily see as worthy as we ourselves might be. You see, the Christian faith challenges us to look beyond a simple message that we might think provides us with comfort. The Christian message challenges us to think differently about the world and think differently about our place in the world. And here's where things get even funnier. The Christian faith isn't necessarily a financially lucrative one. It's true, we may have decent jobs and we may make a decent living, but that's not what it's all about. Those of us who are called to ministry, those of us who are called not to just serve in ministry, but to be and to participate in ministry, understand that life has its ups and downs. And Jesus was certainly no prosperity gospel preacher. 
Our faith isn't about the kinds of cars that we drive, nor is it whether or not we live in the biggest house on the block. In fact, it's not about the kinds of cars that we drive, it's about whether or not we're going to be a driving force in society for change. It's not about what kind of house we live in, it's about whether or not we are working to make God's house a welcome and inclusive place for all. Jesus' ministry represents a prophetic ministry that means being concerned not with our own comfort and privilege, but with the needs of others. It means that on a good day, we must turn ourselves outward and ally ourselves with the marginalized and the oppressed. That we must go there where they are and find out what their needs are, find out how they need to be liberated, and we must be in solidarity with the oppressed. It is not to say that we can't be well off as Christians if we work hard. It just means that that's not the end goal. So if you're a pastor, you might have to satisfy, be satisfied with the possibility that your daughter may someday be able to become a doctor or a lawyer and afford to buy you a Tesla <laughs> or a BMW. And meanwhile, you might be driving a Ford Focus. I'm just preaching to myself up here, sorry. I, I, got, I digress. The reality is, is that Jesus understood this, and this was the message that Jesus wanted his followers to understand. That being part of the Christian faith means turning outward. It means looking around at the world that you live in and figuring out what must we do to help those whom Jesus calls the least of these. Jesus is not just proclaiming a prophetic word, but Jesus is becoming this prophetic word. Hear what Jesus says in the last part of this passage. He says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. By hearing the message of liberation, we can become that message of liberation. The fulfilling of Jesus' prophetic message is in those who hear the message and go and do likewise. The fulfillment of this message, the fulfillment of the Spirit of God, is in the doing, not just the listening. To hear the gospel is to be the gospel. To hear the good news is to be the good news. This is what I've learned about the inside joke of our faith. This is what I've learned that the world does not recognize about us. The world sees us as something different that it doesn't always get. Why would you give away the money that you have to help others? Why wouldn't you keep it for yourselves? Why would you stand up on behalf of those who are oppressed? Let everyone fend for themselves. 
the world has a different way of looking at things than we as Christians do. And we are part of the inside joke. It is true that we will be met with resistance. On a good day, when you proclaim what God has to say, people will say, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll think about it. And on a bad day, when you try to proclaim what God would have people to say and to do and to believe, people may run you out of town and try to throw you off a cliff. Isn't that hilarious? But this is the inside joke of our faith. You will need a good sense of humor to be a Christian. You will need a good sense of humor to stand up for justice. You will need a good sense of humor to look at all the challenges of the world and to continue doing what God has called you to do. We might not get a lot out of it, and every now and then people will push back against our efforts to change society and to change the world. But be of good cheer, because we are in good company. For Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, God has anointed us to preach good news to the poor. God has sent us as the Christian church to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So rejoice, 7th Street. Rejoice in the good news of the gospel. For today and Every day, that which we do is the fulfillment of the scriptures in the world's hearing. Amen and amen.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, hear our prayers. We gather here in this church today to listen to your word, to learn from the different interpretations of your word by our ministers and other lay leaders. We gather to sing and to feel your presence and to pray. Pray, Lord. We pray, Lord, for the sick. May they know your grace and your healing hand. We pray for the hungry, Lord, that those who have much will feel called to share with those who do not. We pray for the lonely. Let us not forget our neighbors, friends, and loved ones who are alone and could use a hug or a smile or a phone call. We pray for the fearful, those living in war-torn areas of oppression throughout the world. We pray for the children that are fearful, living in conflict and chaos within their own homes. Help them all know your peace. We pray for our teachers, Lord, the challenges they face of income disparity with other professionals, the challenge to keep our children safe whilst at school, and yet teach our children who will become our future. They are called. Lord, we pray for our ministers and the lay leadership here at 7th Street. Continue to bless and strengthen them. Lord, we pray for our families and friends, keep them safe and healthy. And we pray for this community of faith. Sustain us in your love, Lord, as we leave today. And let your love of us guide our thoughts and actions in the coming days. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. This is the second week of our special offering for Week of Compassion. And so this morning I would like to share with you a story. Our faith calls us to respond to people in crisis. Sometimes crises occur from forces of nature or sometimes they are the result of violent acts of persecution what we human beings do to each other. The gospel has much to say about this. It empowers us to respond in our own time as we reflect upon the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Imagine a 12-year-old girl or boy whom you might know, a neighbor child, or perhaps one of your own children or grandchildren. In your mind, what is this child doing on a normal day? Going to school, eating lunch with friends, arguing with a sibling about what tablet game they should play after school, 
perhaps sports. Today I would like to introduce you to another 12-year-old girl. Her life is a little different than the one you might have just imagined. We'll call her Z, the first letter of her last name. Her family fled from a worn, torn country in search of a better life. The family fled through Serbia, hoping to eventually get to Germany. Z's days were filled with endless walking. One day they were walking through a park, feeling out a place and afraid, when staff members from an organization called Park Info noticed them. The aid workers offered them hope in the form of a safe space and a bowl of warm noodles, which Z described as the sweetest food she had tasted in years. It is by our gifts to Week of Compassion that Info Park is able to assist refugees to find a place of respite and a bite to eat when they are hungry. They also help boys and girls like Z to inch closer to goals that seemed impossible as they navigate borders and checkpoints in life as exiles. Your gifts provide learning centers where girls and boys can escape the life of refugee camps and experience the normalcy that children in many parts of the world take for granted. Your gifts to Week of Compassion provide more than you can imagine. So as you give your tithes and offerings, Remember that we are witnesses to the transforming love of God in Christ. And I invite you to give as generously as you have received.
us pray. Accept these gifts, we humbly pray, O God. Let them give you honor and glory as we serve the needs of your people. And let the called and redeemed of God say, Amen. You may be seated. Sometimes it is not so easy loving those we care about. And yet Jesus tells us to love even those who we wish to harm. It's not easy, but it may be a little more easy for us if we remember that here at this table, we experience God's mercy and compassionate love every single week. Let us hold this thought as we prepare our hearts for communion, as we sing our song, I've Got Peace Like a River. As we come to this table, we remember the story that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his friends, his disciples in an upper room, and took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and said, This bread is like my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and blessed it and gave it to them and said, The wine in this cup is like the blood in my veins poured out to give you new life. Do this in remembrance of me. As we partake of communion this morning, 
Visitors, please know that no matter who you are or where you are from, you are welcome to this table. Let us pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together around your open table. You have heard our prayers and tested our hearts, uphold our steps in your paths that our footsteps may not slip. You hear us when we call on you. As we eat this bread, which represents Jesus' broken body, may we be reminded of the great sacrifice he made for us and give us peace like a river in our souls. In his holy name we pray, amen. Thank you, God, for this day when we can gather here and thank you for Jesus and his teachings. And bless this wine to be put to our body's use so we can use our bodies in thy service.
cup of love. Let us pray. With this meal, we give thanks as we are reconciled to God and to each other. And with gratitude, we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us join our voices in our closing hymn, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. It is actually an insert in your bulletin. So look there for the lyrics. I can find it.
uh, again, thank you so much to my friend, my colleague, um, Reverend Chris Dorsey. Thank you. Um, yeah. And to all of our visitors. Uh, last week for soup sales, too. So I'll miss all the vets out there. Get a quart of soup, you know, before it's too late. Now receive this benediction. Send us into the world, O Holy One, ready to witness to your generosity and forgiveness, ready to be recognized as those who follow your way, ready to shape a world of justice, of peace, and of joy. Go now to love and serve your Lord. Amen. Amen.